Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Okay, so you are on a date and you are completely prepared. You have read all the dating etiquette books, you've listened to podcasts, you created charts for your dates and have analyzed all the data on your date's profile. However, when you go on the date and as the evening progresses, you kind of struggle to have fun and let go and get a little personal. And you keep going over you know, things in your head that you need to say and get across. And then you're left with kind of this dry and boring factual conversation. And then at the end, your date thanks you and said, oh, it was so nice to meet you, but that they didn't feel the chemistry and even a deeper connection with you. Does that sound familiar? Look, dating can be a complex dance of emotions, desires, vulnerabilities. And while some people naturally navigate this with ease, others find themselves facing unique hurdles that hinder their ability to fully engage on an emotional level due to being a little more left brain <laughs> and who often grapple with the intricacies of dating and relationships. So overthinking, difficulty expressing emotions, and an outcome-oriented mindset are just a few of the challenges that a lot of left brain analytical thinkers encounter when it comes to matters of the heart. And if you are one of those, you might excel at that logical reasoning and problem solving. But when it comes to dating, you often find yourself stuck in your head, disconnected from your emotions and being in the present moment. And as an analytical thinker, you tend to approach dating with a checklist mentally, seeking predictable outcomes and clear solutions. The inherent uncertainty and spontaneity of romantic connections can be unsettling for you, making it difficult to let go, be playful, flirt, and embrace the unpredictability of love. Your focus on the logical and rational can hinder your ability actually to connect on an emotional level. And that leaves you and your date feeling maybe somewhat detached or even misunderstood. Now, I've worked with a lot of you left-brainers, and there are specific challenges that you might have when you are dating. Uh, the first thing a lot of times is that overthinking. You have a tendency to overanalyze situations and second-guess your every single move. And because of that, you might become trapped in your head, constantly evaluating and calculating your actions, which then hinders that spontaneity piece and natural flow when it comes to dating. The second thing is you might have difficulty expressing emotions. So you may struggle with expressing your emotions openly and effectively and find it challenging to articulate your feelings to convey that vulnerability which can create a barrier to building emotional connections with your potential partners. The third thing is being outcome-oriented. 
you often approach dating with a results-oriented mindset. And the problem with that is that when you're focused on achieving specific outcomes or reaching predetermined relationship milestones, that detracts you from just enjoying the journey and getting to know someone authentically. And yes, that leads to the next challenge, flirting. Yeah. I mean, the lack of playfulness and flirtation is the next challenge because you have that analytical mind, you may find it challenging just to let go, relax, engage in a lighthearted banter or that playful flirting. And your preference for logical and serious conversations can sometimes inhibit that fun and excitement that comes with the early stage of dating. Now with that, I know that there's been a lot of complaints from some of you where there's that lack of sex appeal with this dynamic and why your dates maybe are often left with not feeling that chemistry and you often get plopped into the friend zone. The other challenges, inability to let go and be present over kind of reliance on logic and reasoning. I mean, there really isn't logic when it comes to love, you know, and while logical thinking is valuable in many other aspects of your life, like maybe your career, what you do for a living, it can limit you when it comes to the emotional depth and the overemphasis on logical analysis may cause you to overlook or dismiss important emotional cues. You also might be too focused on like that professional and personal goals that, again, it's that outcome-oriented thing that happens, and that might overshadow the needs and desires of other people because you're just like set on your goals. And the last thing that is really common that I see is that conversations tend to be a little more factual versus feeling-based. So again, instead of this kind of like fun personal conversation where you're sharing stories and experiences, your conversations are laced with factual tidbits. And again, like there's this disconnect and disinterest that happens in the end of the date. So here's the good news. I don't want you to feel... Like, oh my God, am I doomed? No, left brain are, are actually amazing partners. And, and a lot of studies have shown that. But the skills to get to that relationship is what is needed. And you can learn this. That's the beauty of this. I always joke, I can't teach IQ, but I can teach EQ and some of these things so that you left brainers can be a little more right brain. You just have to learn how. Now, today on the line, I have a man who refers to himself as data <laughs> from Star Trek, which I crack up on. And this guy has a sense of humor. You'll, you'll hear. Um, and as an extreme left brain analytical thinker and a divorcee, he is struggling to make emotional connections and build chemistry as he's trying to get out there and date. He has been trying to crack the code on figuring out how to flirt and be vulnerable, but has been trying to do that in a logical way, which just hasn't been working. I hope I can help him get out of his head so that he can get into his heart and connect with someone fabulous that he really does deserve. He's a great guy. Welcome, Jeff. Are you there? Yes, I am. Well, hello there. And how are you? I I am good. How are you feeling right now? Oh, a little apprehensive. Yeah, I and I, I mean, love I, nothing <laughs> like putting me on the spot or anything. <laughs> well, that's what you're here for. And and again, I love that you kind of started with an emotion. 
That's great. Start. Well, that's my second word that I know. <laughs> well, I, I hope that I can build some of your feeling vocabulary, but it's a good start. Um, thank you for hopping on and being vulnerable. I mean, here you are. It's kind of meta for what we're talking about here is you're, you're being vulnerable and putting yourself out there here on a podcast, but also just... I think there's so many people who struggle with this and I just love that you're on. So maybe you could share a little bit. I mean, I did a little bit of a recap, but tell us more about, you know, who you are and what your dating journey has been so far and some of the challenges you've been having. So my background is uh, I have a degree in chemical engineering and have been working in uh, a technical industry, mostly IT for 45 years. So I've worked mostly with men and women who understand highly educated technical men. So when I get out into the real world, um, it's kind of like a deer in a headlights for me. Um, it's what do I do now? So I'm highly introverted, but in the army, I was a sergeant. And through my career, I've been team leaders, supervisors. And the last 20 years, I did mostly project management. So I worked with a lot of people and I had to force myself to become more social. And in the end, the my manager liked me because I was able to take a team and bring them together and get them to work together and actually enjoy working together. So uh, that means to me that that I have the social skills in a professional environment. I just have trouble bringing that to a more social environment with with women that are not familiar with that sort of environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. And I know you and I talked about this a little bit is that when you're in a role where that's where your confidence is and you have a purpose, sometimes it is easier, right? Cause you, you have that kind of script and, and like you said, the other people have the knowledge of, you know, you as that person, whereas like out in the wild, yeah, like no one knows that. And it's hard to kind of like just be that way just for the purposes of being you. And and I built a reputation of being able to do that. So even when somebody new was assigned to my team, of course, he learned from everybody around him about my reputation. So mm -hmm. he was already, he or she, uh, did have some women, uh, were already receptive to working with me. Yeah. So, yeah, really. I mean, and, and that helped probably make you more confident. I'm very confident in my professional um, arena um, of, of what I know and what I can do. You get me out of that and then I, one little thing goes wrong and I crumble into dust. Oh, okay. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. So what, what happens then when you're out in the wild, in the world with women? The, first of all, I don't have the same kind of successes that I had in my professional world. So I'm guilty of comparing my social life with my professional life. They're entirely different, but my expectation is, at least in my subconscious, is 
that they should be the same. And they're not. My, my logic can understand that, but my subconscious doesn't. Right. That makes sense. So then what happens when you are on a date with a woman? What are the challenges that you see? Well, if, if, if we're not getting along fairly quickly, mm-hmm. I start getting nervous and it's, I mean, women are very intuitive. Like, you know, uh, you, you don't hide it. The more you try to hide it, the worse it becomes. Mm-hmm. So um, just like what you said in the announcement, um, I've got to stay out of my head and not worry about what I expect in the end. I've got to look like uh, I, I got to approach this like I'm just meeting somebody and learning about somebody uh, else and see where this is going to go. I can't have a specific endpoint in mind or uh, if it doesn't go that way, I I don't process that very well. It that doesn't come out good. Yeah, no. And well, and so with that dynamic, like what ends up happening when you're on the date? So like you're getting in your head or you get nervous. Like, what does that look like? What happens? Most of the dates, I'm, I'm not nervous. Um, but it ends up being like a, uh, well, a business interview, you know, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how many uh, dating coaches said this is boring for a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have trouble leading the conversation into something where it becomes more lively. Now, my my mother taught me how to banter when I started out six, seven, eight years old. Because my my father was about has had a, uh, a sense of humor about the size of a head of a pin. Oh. So, uh, my, my my mother had a, a big sense of humor, and she liked the prank and everything, and and she liked the banter. So when she found out that I had a quick quick wit, and that she could get talking to me and we could have these games, these verbal games. Uh, so I've been doing it with her until I was, you know, off in college. So if I can bridge the gap between mm-hmm. the, the business interview and start a banter, then things go much better, I believe. Yeah. It's, it's that getting past that first part and, and, into a more lively banter that I'm having trouble getting there. Ah, got it. Yeah, because that's what's so interesting about you. And I've had the pleasure of having different conversations with you that you you have a great sense of humor and you are funny. And I love that your mom kind of gave you some of that. You know, it's, it was such a gift. And I think you're right. It, there's something that's happening in that gap. Like, have you pinpointed to like in that gap what is stopping you? I, I really haven't. And um especially since my divorce, I have been making an effort to banter with anyone I can find. 
Mm -hmm. whether it's the the girl to checkout stand uh, uh some guy at the um parts counter at the auto store whatever um you know i'm i'm trying to do the you know misinterpret what they say or make them uh exaggerate something to the extreme or the various techniques that you use in humor and in bantering mm -hmm. and if i can catch somebody that gets it and starts bantering back then we're off to the races yeah. when i've done this at my dates i fear that they're either not that interested or they're so scared they they're not responding naturally mm. uh, i don't know you know you'd you'd have to observe several before you could come to a determination but that's my analysis, even though that's way out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, but I think you, you're aware of some things for yourself and like with, with that, are, are you aware? And I think you had mentioned a little bit when you and I were talking about your body language and the nonverbal signals. Well, certainly when I'm worried nervous and whatever mm -hmm. you know my body becomes real rigid and you know again somebody that reads body language can tell that i'm uncomfortable but generally if i can find somebody that i can banter with that relaxes me because mm. i feel that I've, i'm bu building a connection but if i can't get going with that then yeah. You know, especially after several tries and it's not going anywhere, I start to get worried and get stiffer. Yes. More you know, rigid. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's like it, it's it's a rabbit hole, you know, that. Yep. You, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I still haven't found the white rabbit yet, but the queen <laughs> of hearts, I've just gotten a view. See, there it is. That sense of humor right there. We just found it. Now, what caused you to find that just now? Because I felt safe. Ah. You know, I wasn't. Yeah. The thing is, a sense of humor can, you know, the, what you say and how you do that can be offensive to some people because if you don't have an edge in it, then it's not going to catch people and get a reaction. So I have to be careful to have an edge, but not too much of an edge that I offend somebody. And I have to live with the fact that I will offend people mm -hmm. um, and they have to understand me well enough that I wasn't intending to offend them. Well, let's talk about that because I think I think we're like kind of getting to something that is a big thing that is stopping you. And that is this notion of safety and like what other people think. Like, where is that coming from? So you want me to jump out of an airplane without a parachute and you're going to tell me that somebody is going to give me one on the way down. Mm. That doesn't feel safe to me. Have you experienced like maybe in the past or when you were younger where, you know, it wasn't safe and, and things happened? Were you bullied or like, I'm just trying to understand where that's coming from. I really don't have an answer to that. Um, I mean, 
yes, I was bullied, but mm -hmm. in talking with my parents, um, I'm basically, you know, they came up with um, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never harm me. So they said some of the best ways to deal with a bully is ignore them. Mm -hmm. you don't have a reaction. They're going to give up because they're trying to intimidate you and they're trying to make you react. So it makes them look powerful. But if they don't get a reaction, they got nothing. So how many times are they going to try when you're not and you don't react to them? They're going to go away. So that's what I did way back in, in grade school. Mm -hmm. What about with women? Like, was there some rejection back then? Every guy has got a long list of rejections. Mm -hmm. So what was it for know. you? Well, I had rejections. I, I mean, but nothing really stands out to me that uh, would have crushed my soul or anything. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I certainly, you know, when broke up with some of the girls, I certainly felt sad for weeks and months, but, uh, you know, I got over it. I don't, mm -hmm. don't feel that there was any residual. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it doesn't have to be like a big incident or like something large. It could be cumulative, you know, over time. And, Certainly with the divorce, I mean, this happens to everybody, like, you know, people's confidence gets shot after divorce. It happened to me too. I share my story all the time and, and that can make you more reticent and a little, you know, hesitant too, when it comes to like putting yourself out there or offending someone. And then what happens is it gets like all the other experiences you had like earlier just kind of kicks up. And, and you may not even be aware of it, you know, but I just, I just wonder if you've ever thought about the connection there. So I've been married twice mm. and both of my ex-wives, when I, I told them something that I felt made me feel very vulnerable, mm -hmm. uh, both of them at various times and in different ways ended up using that against me. So I'm very wow. cautious to show too much vulnerability until I can feel comfortable that that person is, is not going to turn around and use that to stab me in the back. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, that's huge, what you just said. And I think it ties into this other stuff about safety, you know, and even even joking around, you know, whether it's opening up with your emotions or like feeling safe enough to joke around, there's there's the, a fear, I think, that's popping up and which is also then stopping you. And so then there's kind of that gap that happens. So... I'm very much self-controlling. Mm -hmm. um, I I like to be in, in control of myself and have a really good idea of what outcomes are going to be. Mm -hmm. And that becomes very difficult when you're in new situations with people that you have no familiarity with. 
So I tend not to put myself out too much. The, the, the whole situation is try to put myself out enough mm -hmm. so that I show some humanity and some personality, but not so much as to endanger uh, myself and my, my character, my, my, yeah. my beliefs and everything. So yeah it's, it's kind of a you know uh two steps in one step back type of situation mm -hmm. no but you know that's that's really important what you said and that's so true about you know when you look at the definition of you know anxiety anxiety comes from uh, like uncertainty and the way that a lot of times you try to like can it, it, it well, it is that control, right? When you're trying to alleviate some of the anxiety or the things that are like kind of swarming in your head is by having some kind of predictability and control of the outcome. So it totally makes sense what you're saying. And in these vulnerable situations, you have no way of controlling the outcome that like you said. The only way I control the outcome in those situations mm -hmm. is not providing them with ammunition that I know that will hurt me if it comes back at me. Yeah. Well, I think we're cracking the code a little bit and I'll tell you what, what I'm thinking in ways of how to override some of this, <laughs> you know, like if we're using a computer as a metaphor, which might be helpful to think about is, I think there's just been some pre-programming with you, like, and it's been cumulative with maybe some of the experiences you had growing up, but also with your, your two exes. And the notion is to kind of override some of that pre-programming so that you can be less fearful of putting yourself out there, of showing women these like beautiful sides of you. I mean, Jeff, you're an amazing guy with all this like stuff to offer and also your wit and humor that you just kind of hold back. And really in the end, and you probably know this intellectually, but it's more about gaining experience around the right women will respond to you. The women who do not are just not your women. So instead of taking it in as, oh my God, I did something wrong. It's more like, oh, well, good thing I found out earlier than later. She's not my gal. And, and so and I, under, I understand that. I mean, um, I'm I'm not uh, part of the everyday buffet food. I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm a specialty food. And, you know, if you like sushi, then, you know, you're my gal. So it, it, to a degree, it's 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 a numbers game. Mm -hmm. I, keep, I keep trying to find a woman that likes sushi and very few women do. Oh, are you kidding me? Do you know how many women love sushi? Like, Oh, I'm <laughs> using that as a metaphor. Yeah, but it's a really good metaphor because no matter what you used, you could have said green beans, you could have said meat. There uh, are plenty of anchovies. anchovies. I, look, no matter what food you would take, and this is a podcast that's going out to thousands, not to, to get you more nervous, but I can only imagine the amount of women that would say, Hey, I like sushi. I like anchovies. Like it is a numbers game. And yeah. that's exactly the point. And, and I think this might be the key to your kingdom and ways of like closing the gap 
you know, so to speak. And so let, like, let's get into some ideas then for you, because I love that you're practicing. You said you're like kind of going out, like, tell me more about that. And maybe we can just like narrow it down a little bit more to build your confidence. Well, I don't seem to have problems Mm -hmm. when I'm not worried about some sort of outcome. So, you know, when I can, I can go up to a a beautiful cashier and um, make some, some offhanded comment to her that, that makes her turn her head around and look at me and, and, you know, what do you mean? You know, just, just something to get something started. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, go on with my banter and, you know, I, as long as she's playing the game, I can do good. But, and, and I don't just pick beautiful women. I do it with guys. I do it with old people. I do it with young people. Just anybody I can practice. It's fun for me. Okay. That's awesome. So, okay. So wait, wait. So, I, uh, okay. So that's good. When is it no. not fun? When, when are the stakes higher? Well, apparently my subconscious gets in my way mm-hmm. when it's it's a woman that I'm interested in. Okay. So how do you, like, where do you see those women? Are they like online? Are they like out and about? Are they everywhere? Most, well, especially since of the pandemic, uh, most of my um, dating exercises has been through, uh, you know, online and then uh, okay. agree, to, agree to meet. Um, but now I'm, uh, on meetup and I'm trying to go out and be, you know, in person with a bunch of things and, um, uh, you know, give, again, it's, it's numbers. I got to get in front of enough women Mm -hmm. to find, I'll, I'll call it chemistry, but it's. It's more than that. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a intellectual level. Mm -hmm. It's, it's beliefs and values, you know, it's all of this stuff wrapped in, but, but first of all, uh, she has to be willing to start the dance with me, you know? So if, if, I, you know, I can blow it and, and make some, um, what I think is a funny comment and offend her. Uh, and so we never get started. But uh, I've got to accept that I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And as as you pointed out, that if, you know, if it's if it's a woman that's really interested in me, I can make mistakes and she will accept them so if immediately she's not interested and and doesn't take the bait i need to say well i didn't waste time with her that's a good thing yeah look that as a more positive thing rather than trying to soothe my ruffled ego that i didn't uh make uh, make contact with every woman that i talked to it's just a ridiculous uh, outcome 
even though my subconscious is driving me that way. I've got to yes, I've got to but, teach it reality instead of some fantasy that it seems to have. Yes. Okay. So no, this is really good. And you're thinking exactly kind of like along the lines of, of what I was going to suggest to you. And that what I'd love for you to do is to create a system because I'm, I'm sure that you like charts and <laughs> never, never seen a spreadsheet that I didn't like. Right. Right. So let's, let's create a spreadsheet. And what I want you to do is in the different columns, you're going to create different categories for yourself of places that you can go where the stakes are high of women that you are finding attractive. Like I, like you said, there's a lot that goes into attraction. Obviously online, you have a little more information. Out in the wild, it's probably the first hit has to do with the way she looks. And then, you know, obviously a conversation from there. But I would love for you to like going to the gym, create a schedule for yourself where you're doing this on, a, would say start out three, four times a week where you're going online, you're going to meet up, you're going to the grocery store, like the different settings. And I just want you practicing closing the gap and being you. And not worrying about the outcome. The only outcome that I want you worrying about, and so I'm replacing your outcome that you have in your head. Your outcome is to flirt and have fun with these women and joke around. And if you accomplish that, you're going to go back to your spreadsheet and you're going to mark yourself a, a point and then write down how you felt afterwards. That is your outcome. That's it. Don't think beyond that. It's not has nothing to do with whether she likes you, has nothing to do with she's going to be your girlfriend or your or your wife or anything like that. I'm trying to like shorten the outcome for you because it's okay to be outcome based because I can't get rid of that for you. You're you that's it, it's just you. You are outcome based, but I can shorten it to have it be way more present, way more fun, and then once you conquer that, then you can move on to the next thing. But do it, so like, the, gamify it for yourself. So just do it, like, in, in steps. So a lot of dating coaches recommend that uh, for a period or pick some number or whatever and uh, and and go out yes. up to as many women as you can, say, 10 a week, yeah. and, and walk up and ask them to reject you. Basically... Um, what your what the game is is keep doing it until you get fifty rejections or mm -hmm. whatever it is that uh, it will so uh, numb that part of right. your um, your belief your experience that it won't be a problem for you anymore. So. Do you have thoughts on that methodology? I mean, that's great. It, it, it's similar to what I'm telling you to do. I, I just would love for you to systematize it a little bit more because that that's a little bit like, all right, just go out and talk to 50 people. I wanted to get more narrow with you because it seems like you're fine with the banter when the stakes aren't high. So we well, need to get you more comfortable with, with women who you're attracted to, right? So... 
a lot of it depends on finding a woman that wants to play the game with me. So, oh, right. But I don't want you worrying about that. So you're, you're already worrying about what's what we don't even know yet. So instead of looking for signs and clues that that woman is willing and able, you're just going to approach as many people as you can with the notion of your task. Your task is to go up to as many women as you can that you find attractive, close the gap and talk and just be you like you're like like how you are on this podcast. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, and just do that. And to your point of what you heard a lot of experts saying, it is a numbing kind of thing because the more you practice, the less you'll care about the outcome and the rejection. You'll build resilience with it. And guess what? You'll probably get some great conversations out of it too. And maybe someone you even want to move on with because we're taking away of the expectation of that. You see what I mean? The only mm -hmm. thing I want you to focus on is the task at hand. And that's the outcome. And then you'll do it for a period of time. So like you can do it X amount of, a week. So say like three, four times a week for about three weeks, four weeks, and just see how that feels. And then after a month or after three weeks, then you up the ante. Like maybe you're ready for, you know, something where you're engaging in a 15 minute conversation or, you know, you go out on dates with more women like that. And that's the thing, like you just kind of build from there. And yeah, like I really think it's just the kind of practice thing. It's just like how your mom was with you because you you told me that history has it that works. Like when you had some practice and a little bit of a, a, a script and a gamified type of situation, you were able to do it and overcome it and deal with the bullies and, you know, deal with wit and, and humor. We're just applying it over to this area of your life. You already have it in your career life. Now we're just putting it in your personal life. Yep. Practice builds confidence and, yeah. you know, well-known fact. So uh, how much practice is dependent on each person and, yeah. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, get, if I can break through this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it it's going to be a one and done kind of thing. So, yes, uh, I believe that too. I think this is what's tripping you up right here. Is this, this kind of like, like you called it a gap. I don't know. How, well, so what do you think about, how do you feel about this? Well, I'm, I'm wondering if I need to apply for, um, my therapy license because of... <laughs> yeah well what makes you think that well i mean you know i've come up with as many things as you have i mean i think we're about co-equal on this i love that and and i see and i like that you're assertive and confident with that we came up together as a team and that is that is what should happen you know and and you need to buy into it Right. Like, so I could tell well, you how much of things. How much is it going to cost me? And can I use Monopoly money? No, you cannot use Monopoly. I don't take that. It's not good here. <laughs> how about Russian rubles? No, you know, what's good here is that you have success. That, that will be the best return of investment for me and all the listeners here. So like, I would love to hear if this works for you. And I just, 
love that you came on here. And Jeff, thank you so much. I, I hope this helped. I don't think it could hurt. <laughs> okay. I want to reframe that because that could come across as negative. So can you say that in a, in a positive reframe? As I said earlier, the more practice you get, the more confidence you get. And you feel how by doing that? More confident. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you again. <laughs> and good luck to you. I hope this this helps you. Okay. And thank you. You're welcome. And it's been fun. Good. I'm glad. And this is how it should be. Dating should be fun. And also like getting over things should have, you know, more of a feeling of hope. So I hope you listening also did that today. And thanks for joining me. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I am your host, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are analytical in your head, an overthinker, and that is all affecting your dating life. Hop on a call with me so that I can help. Imagine getting some ideas of breaking the cycle you have been dealing with for so long in one call. Just click the link you see in the show notes and book it. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. Mm -hmm.